1: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Athlete Diaries on over-the-top cycling. We're in Boulder, Colorado. Our guest, Donica Cutris, is 100% Irish, but he is calling in from Rotterdam. Donica, thanks very much for joining us. Uh,
2: You're welcome, George. Thanks for the invite.
1: Now, last we spoke was, oh, maybe three months ago or so, and uh, you're still feeling a lot of exhaustion from the Trans Am bike race.
2: Um, Yeah, I suppose it's just over a month, and uh, I I suppose I feel now that, uh, yeah, uh, first day I know today I I feel like I'm recovered for sure. I mean, after two weeks, I was saying to myself, yes, I'm recovered but um, I wasn't really, I, I think for me it's taken about uh, about a month yeah, um, I suppose compared to Rama it was a lot different, this time I was really, really, uh, I did get a good beating. Um I was very tired, i uh, just falling asleep every day, um, usually after the race I wasn't able to maybe go to sleep till about 2-3 in the morning, then I'd wake up at 7 for work and I'd fall back to sleep again uh, finding it hard to um, as soon as I left work and got the tram home, I was always falling asleep on the tram. And then finding it hard then again to go to sleep at night and the same thing again. It was late after about two to three weeks. Well, I think it was the same for the other riders as well. I think I remember reading uh, Jesse saying that it was about three weeks after the race that he got his first uh, full night's sleep.
1: Now, why do you think that the Trans Am takes such a toll on people? I mean, You were telling me before that you you had nowhere near this long of uh, uh, intrusion on your sleep following Race Across America.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would say, I mean, it does certainly depend on each and every athlete and every rider. Um, I would say from my own perspective, I mean, I didn't go into this race as prepared as I did back in uh, RAM in 2011. Uh, In 2011, I was training full-time for six months. I suppose as well you know when you tend to do these races I mean, I would say the first time you do a race like this you give it ultimate respect and that's good you know sometimes I say that to new riders I say look don't don't underestimate your ability to do well in your first uh, outing because when you're doing it for the first time you give it great respect um, when you do it the second time and the third time you know like I've like, in the race around Ireland you tend to go into it I've often gone into it with not that much training because you don't have the same respect and that's, that's not good sometimes. Um, so I would say like I went into Trans Am this time, uh, not as prepared as I could have been and I would say that certainly affected my my recovery. It affected um, how, tire, how much it took out of me. Um, I, I started very late this year, I started way too late after Christmas. I started and it was even too late at that stage. I mean when you're cycling 200 miles a day, if you haven't got the base work done, your body just cannot absorb that damage. And I found after about two and a half thousand miles, my legs just weren't recovering. And if I took three hours sleep, four hours sleep, eight hours sleep, my body was just wasn't recovering. I needed a month off, and I wasn't able to get it. Um, so I think from for the last two weeks or the last ten days at least that I was doing was really, really punishing my body i mean i was pressing the pedals all day and there was nothing in my legs it was you know, it's strange because your, your your mind is strong but the, the, it's just not happening because it's just not there and there's nothing you can do like it's the same professional cycling you often hear the cyclist saying it just wasn't in the legs today and there's nothing you can do if it's not there it's not there and that's very frustrating and so it's great too about about the sport of cycling and ultracycling when when the work is done and you have the training done, it's a beautiful feeling that when the power is there day after day. But again, on the opposite end, when the work isn't done, it's not there and it, it, it's very tough, you know. So I think that was one of the main reasons why why I, I um, it took me so long to recover. Um, as I said, it depends It depends for every athlete and, and every person on your head. There's just so many factors, obviously. Um, I would say as well, the fact that you don't have a crew is a big factor as well. Um, you can often be uh, out in the middle of nowhere you might, have, you might you might have had enough water you might not be getting enough food and obviously that's going to affect your recovery then as well. I mean every rider I mean you can you cannot it's very very difficult to get it totally right. you're going to arrive sometimes at gas stations and absolutely uh dire, dire need for liquids and food and Joe you, know, you might have gone an hour two hours hours with with, um, you know, with that um, dire need for for some calories so i would say that probably affects your recovery as well you know not having a crew. When having a crew behind you and giving you supplements and giving you food and water constantly uh, does help with your recovery as well.
1: Now, what is this doing to your plans for Race Around Ireland?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's strange. I mean, I was thinking, like, um, you know, when I finished uh, the Trans Am, it's only eight weeks to Race Around Now it's only four weeks and I just recovered, so it's only another, um, another four weeks so far. Really, um, it's hard to know, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of just, just doing a few spins, um, I probably won't do anything much over 100 miles, um, if anything what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to uh, bring my heart rate up a bit, because, you know, in, in the Trans Am, after the first week, I mean, I remember having a heart rate on and on, but after a while I took it off, because, and I would say it's probably the same for most riders, certainly it was with uh, uh, some of the riders I talked to, like, um, I talked to when I was like, McKim from Belgium, he was saying the same. That you, it's very difficult to get your heart rate above 120, 125 during the Trans Am because you're just so tired. So um, for for that reason, then you know you're you're you're, you're not um, you're you're you're, you're aerobic all the time. So um, yeah, we will just see how it goes now for for the race on i we not going to do that much. I'm just trying to bring my heart rate up a bit to about 140. That's plenty, and just try to do a small but a quicker cycling. Because I do find with the Trans Am, because you're sleepy and you're tired and your habit is low, you're actually kind of, you know, you get really into this kind of a slow cycle thing. So it's good now to be well rested and just to be pushing it on a bit. I feel, you know, there should be enough mileage in the legs. Um, you know, I mean, you know, we can certainly think that, oh, I want enough mileage in the legs, but you have to realise what, what I've done, I suppose, four weeks ago, and it would be silly to think that I don't have enough mileage in the legs. So I'm just trying to focus on doing some quick short spins and nothing over 100 miles on the
1: race. Now, really changing gears here, but I want to go back a few years. What was it that really attracted you to the bike? I mean, there are many more popular sports than ultra cycling. What was it about long-distance cycling that really appealed to you?
2: Yeah, I suppose the first thing, um, for me I suppose, like I came from a, a, a boxing background, um, so I was always uh, doing an individual sport. No, I, I, I was always I doing uh, team sports as well, football and holding our, our local national sport and soccer as well. But um, yeah, I think the fact that I was doing an individual sport, uh, I came from the boxing, then I went from boxing to triathlons. And from the triathlons then I was joined in Ironman. Uh, and I just like the cycling. Uh, you know, I like the individuality of it. I like, I think, you know, it suited my personality as well. I like going off for a long spins in the countryside. Um, yeah, I, I just like the the, the distances that you go, the places that you could travel to, uh, and I think it just suited my personality. Um, yeah, and that's why I took the long distance cycling. Um, I, I thought as well, you know, that it's it's really something that's way out there. You know, that, that you know, I've always, i always tried to reach further in what I can do in life and I just found it you know, amazing when I seen, I think it was when I was 25 I seen an advertisement in a magazine for the West Cross Market, and I just, so I suppose like a lot of athletes you just say to yourself, yeah that's something I want to do you know and I looked at it and I said, Jesus that's amazing I wonder could I do that I don't know, I've always been like that in my, in my life uh, so just wondering, that sense of wonder, could I do that Uh, And I suppose it's the same with everyone, you know, you start off and you say to yourself, is it possible to do that? And then you do it, and then you naturally want to achieve higher all the time. Um, Yeah, so I like that. I like like the longest as cycles because you're going somewhere, um, which is nice. I mean, I can incorporate it into my life. With the ultra cycling, I I like to travel, I like meeting people, I like um, traveling to different countries, I I like eating. Um, so I can do all those things while I am cycling, both in in training, and in event events as well. Um, I would say as well, you know, I remember when I started the trend for the for Ram when I was race cross America when I was 25, and I, I finally done it when I was 39. And I remember after the race, I said to myself, you know, what do I do now? You know, I'm after achieving my dream of of doing the race cross America. What what happens now? You know, and I said to myself, do you know. It was never really about RAM, it's, you know, it, I had been training for it so long that it became part of who I was, you know, and, and that's the thing about the sport as well, it, you know, it, it, become, it becomes part of your identity as well, and it's hard to let it go, and, and you know, why would you let it go? Because, as I said, I realised that uh, ultracycling and, and the, the the training for it, to go in the places, you know, I, I had thoroughly enjoyed that, and when I sacked the RAM you know, and I achieved it, Afterwards, I just said, you know, I just I just got to keep going and doing what I'm doing because I love the sport, you know.
1: This is Athlete Diaries on Over-The-Top Cycling. You can follow us on social media at Over-The-Top Cycling on Facebook, Over-The-Top Cycling on Instagram. On Twitter, we are Over-The-Top Bike. Our website, Over-The-Top Radio.net. And you can download us at iTunes or follow us on the ACAST app. Today, we're visiting with Danica Cutrus. He is in Rotterdam, 100% Irish, and uh, Capper, you've got quite the schedule here going on. It's, it's so hard for me to hear you sound so exhausted and know that Race Around Ireland's coming up. With that race in your future here, um, have you been meeting with your crew? I mean, you just came off the Trans Am. What... What are your plans for the race? Uh, I can't imagine you not going into that feeling really competitive.
2: Yeah, I suppose the, the way it's gone for the race on Darwin is, you know, I've been involved with it from the start. I mean, the very first year that it took place, it's two thousand nine. I couldn't get a crew, so I crewed for um, the only female finisher that has ever finished it, for the Canadian girl uh, Caroline Bandebo. And that was an amazing experience. Uh, the following year, then I'd done it myself and I've been involved an in nearly every year since. So it's just great to be part of um, such a great event. That's the, my main reason for taking part in it. Um, as the unsupported cycling came along then, I mean, I, you know, I have started to move into that more. But I crewed to my brother last year. I mean, I've been so lucky that, you know, my brother crewed for me two years ago and he became really inspired by cycling. The ultra-cycling, he said, this is what I want to do. And he had never been a cyclist, so I was actually in for last year's race as well. But I pulled out the crew for him, and it was the best decision I ever made because I just had such a great time supporting him and seeing him crying and seeing him go through all the, the so everything that I went through, and it was just so enjoyable, you know, to see him, to see him suffer, to see him fight with it, you know, and to try to give him so much advice, but knew that he, so he just had to experience it at the end of the day. And you know, to do that with your brother and to get closer to your brother because of that through through the sport is fantastic as well. Um, So yeah, this year he said to me, look, I'll crew for you this year. Uh, um, I need another year. I'll come back again next year, he said to me. So he's going for next year again. I mean, he's only cycling two or three years. He did very well last year. He got around halfway and then he he had to withdraw uh, from the race. He just had so many problems, but um, he did well. So I'm doing it this year and he's going to crew for me. And the main reason why I'm doing is because I have a very good crew now again this year. um, Like I did in previous years and they're a good bunch of lads. And It's just so much an important part of it to have a good crew and to make it a good uh, teamwork as well. I'd just like to mention as well that possibly the year after, um, I have two other brothers as well, uh, Brendan and Gary. And we're hoping that possibly, hoping now um, that maybe uh, I do it this year. My big brother's going to do it again next year. Hopefully he'll finish it next year. Um, I'll say he will finish it. He wouldn't like me saying that. No, he is going to finish it next year. <laughs> and the following year, we're hoping maybe that the four brothers that we can maybe do the four-man team, Uh, myself, my brother Jim, my other brother Brendan, and my other brother Gary, and we're all so very, very different. Um, That that would be a really dream, like, for the four brothers to, to do the, the team event together.
1: Uh, I love it. I hope that works out. Now, you and I were chatting a little before we started recording about... How influential crewing has been for you? Uh, and I look at Sevi Zadar, who won RAM this year in the solo division. He crewed RAM a few years ago for someone. Um, someone on his crew he met for crewing for them at uh, a Race Around Slovenia. Um, yourself, Mick Walsh, was just uh, injured out of RAO, but he came and crewed for Alex Tilletzine it's really interesting to me to see how racers are getting really involved um, as being part of a crew.
2: Yeah, well, I suppose it's that type of sport, isn't it? You know, it's a community sport. You know, everybody that's involved in ultracycling, you know, we have our friends and our family are involved in the sport. And, you know, not saying it's two different types of sports, but, but you know, it probably is in a way in that sense in that we all support one another. We all want to be there for one another. We all want to help our friends and our buddies uh, do well as well, uh, and and so you know, that's that's the really sign of a good community sport. Um, so whether you're racing yourself, so you know, a lot of us get great enjoyment out of room for others as well. And you know, it goes around as well. You know, I might crew for one rider one day, and so you know, then the next day they might crew for me, and so you know, there's nothing better than that in life. I mean, I. I've thought about it a lot in life. I mean, I think most ultra racers do like, I mean, it's very important because we do so much training to have a healthy balance in life, a healthy mental balance.
1: Selling a little or a lot?
0: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: You know that that you're you're not just doing the cycling about yourself, you know what I mean? So we're happy as well and I'm certainly very happy when I'm helping others as well. Um, I really do feel if I was doing the sport and I wasn't making a difference in other people's lives and if I wasn't helping other people, um, I just don't see how it would be enjoyable you know. It really would and you know, I mean, it is really about um helping others achieve their goals as well. And um so you know, making good friendships out of the sport as well. And that's such a, a huge part of the sport and crewing uh can be fantastically enjoyable as well. And I, I would even say, you know, as I said, I mean I, I was I was in for the race later and I would do to, to, to crew for my brother and and if, if he was to finish that race and hopefully next year he will finish it so oh, that's nearly, that's more enjoyable than doing it myself, you know I mean? To see somebody, to grow, to see somebody go through through what they go through, and when you've been there yourself, you know what it means to that person. So that, that's extremely enjoyable, like, I mean, and just as enjoyable as, as doing the race yourself.
1: Now, you were saying earlier that your background is really as a boxer. What was it about boxing that you especially like? Why did you get out of boxing? And what, from boxing, do you bring to your cycling?
2: Yeah, I think boxing was just um, a coincidence, really. I mean, uh, a guy called to my door, and I just happened to go down as an 11-year-old, and joined it, uh, joined us through the sport of boxing. And and, uh, I just, I I was um, pretty good at it from the start. Um, you know. And I I boxed from 11 up to 18 years of age. And then I went back again when I was 25. I won uh, five national titles. I think it's very similar, you know, I mean, certainly when it comes to determination and focus and discipline, you know, I mean, obviously boxing is a very disciplined sport. Um, I moved on from the boxing because, you know, it's not the type of sport where you want to you know, go for the Sunday game, I mean, it's a, it's a serious sport, I mean, you know, you're getting hit and you have to be in top shape, I mean, you can't take it half measures, so naturally when, you, when you're you know, when you a and you go on later in years and you get a job, you know, you really have to think like, is it do I don't want to be... Uh, a full-time boxer, or, or, or usually when you you're going to retire, you're like you're not going to stay at that type of sport just for the fun of it. So you know, mm-hmm. it, it needs to be taken professionally, like. And so I suppose that that was it really. I mean, I wasn't going to go professional uh, ranks because I started a job in the, in the Irish Army, so I was abroad a lot. And then I was just faced the choice of taking up new sports, and you know I tried just the various amount of sports for a while, and then I got into triathlon, and then moved on to long-distance cycling. But yeah, the, the boxing is very similar to the, the long distance uh, race when it comes to mentality, determination, focus, um, all those qualities. And I was, I'm so very lucky that at a very young age, from the age of 11, that I was involved in boxing because it really did um, develop me. Uh, I really did develop a lot as, as a young fella and um, it gave me confidence, it gave me respect, determination, show everything. Um, I, I mean, I remember as a 16-year-old, I was you know, I was trained like a professional athlete. Uh, I remember um, in the summer of I think it was 1988 or 89, I was training with the Irish um, the Irish World Championship team, um, and our Olympic champion, i was his was partner at 16. I spent all the summer training, and I remember, like, just at that age, 15, 16, I, I was training like any professional athlete. Um, so you know, I, I started very young. Um, or with with sports, or then you know just moving on all the time. You always want to achieve uh, uh, better things.
1: That's interesting to me because you said at age twenty five, uh, cycling kind of came into your life. But that's also when Race Across America. You said you started training for Race Across America at age twenty five. So pretty much your entire time as a cyclist has been revolved around training for RAM or preparing for TransAM, something really long. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. But I suppose, look, when I started at 25, I mean, you think, yes, I'm going to do this. But the reality is that it's not going to happen. In um, you know, my first year, I, think I remember contacting the organizers and saying, am I typical because, you know, as I said, like my mentality is a box, So like there was nothing I couldn't do. And I was saying, "Joe, would it be okay if I did it next year? Or would, would the next, would the year after maybe Su Chi better? You know."
1: <laughs> and I
2: was only taking up cycling as if this wasn't going to be a problem. You know, I will do it. You know, but because I came from a boxing background, Joe, so I've I, I, I large so I have big shoulders, big big back muscles. So, so I'm actually carrying about two stone on my upper body that if I didn't have, a, I could probably be a lot stronger. <laughs> but when I started at uh, 25, I had very, very little strength in my legs. So it actually took me. I mean, I remember when I first started out with the cycling club. It took me about three to four years because of, before I could even stay at the cycling club. Uh, every weekend I would be dropped out the back, and it took me a long, long time. I remember, I remember doing the the race around Czech Republic in around 2001, and I was so I was so slow. You know, I mean, it really, really did it take me a long time to get strong at the long distance cycling. Um, I think it wasn't actually till my Till about the time of Ram when I trained foot time, my my, my mid to late 30s, um, I really didn't come into it, you know. Um, and and I, and as we all know, that's the thing about cycling. I mean, and that's why I like the sport. There's there's no, you know, as we know in cycling, especially long distance cycling, the proof really is in the pudding, you know. And I like that as well because, you know, one thing I'd say about ultra cycling as well is that you know you don't need to talk too much, you know. I mean. Um, do you know, I find I like to express myself through my sport as well, you know, and you know, that's 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 what we do in life, you know, we express ourselves through what we do. You don't need to say much. Okay. I mean, you know, if you go and you're cycling a race and you do what you do, you know, it's plain for everyone to see and so you know, you've trained or you haven't trained. Um, but yeah, it took me a very long time to get any way strong on the bike at all. Um, uh, but then I found in, in my mid to late thirties, actually like my late thirties and early forties, now I was certainly saying the last five years I'm certainly seeing my um, peak in the sport. You know, I suppose a lot of experience now as well. But when you when you tend to do those long events over the years, and you just tend to get it, you know, and and then it just doesn't seem to leave, you know. And, you know, and it's it's very interesting as well. I mean, as we see in the ultracycling, I mean, many of the ultracyclists are forties, fifties, sixties, and and performing very well. And ultracycling is certainly a sport where you can, you know, you can be taking part up to any age.
1: Now, one of the beauties of ultra cycling are the stories that come from just about every event that we participate in. You and I spoke last about the Trans Am bike race, and you told me an incredible story about trying to sleep and get warm. We were not able to share that on our last one, and I said we would bring it up on this one. I would love, Danica, for you to please share your story about looking for heat in Yellowstone Park. <laughs> okay well i suppose
2: first i'll say look as you say i mean it's it's what there's so many reasons why i love ultra cycling as and sport and, and this is probably as we know one of the biggest reasons is that you know you, you know you don't know what's around the next corner i love the unexpected in life that ultra cycling brings me who you're going to meet uh what's going to happen how you're going to feel and uh, what's over the next hill um you, know, you just don't know what's going to happen i love that sense of unexpectancy of the adventures uh, that Ultracex can bring because you're traveling such a a long distance. uh, You really don't know what's going to happen next. And I I love that sense of excitement that that brings. Um, So yeah, I mean, obviously in the Trans Am, doing 4,400 miles, so you're you're going to get a lot of stories like, and you just just look back afterwards and you just really laugh at the the times that you had, the people you were talking to, the places you've seen, and just the funny things that happened, you know, that mightn't have been too funny at the time, you know. But yeah, I mean, one of the highlights of, um, well, I would say as well, so afterwards then as well, I mean, you're trying to remember everything because it's happened so quick. You're just trying to absorb it all. I remember actually after the race, I was writing down, trying to remember everything that happened so I wouldn't forget them, you know. (laughs) But this one particular one I couldn't forget anyway. And it was about 9 o'clock at night and I had arrived at uh, West Yellowstone uh, National Park in the town of West Yellowstone, which is just in uh, Montana. And you know it's it's up it's up fairly high, so it's uh, I think so sort of six seven thousand feet. But it's fairly cold. So I would have been going through uh, West Yellowstone National Park at night. I knew as well there wasn't many services in there. If I wanted to stop in there, I mean, if, you know, if you're tired, you need to be going through there fresh, really, if you can. You know, otherwise, you know, you're going to be stuck in there and it's going to be cold and you're going to be really miserable. Um, I knew all right from the year before there was a place about forty mile in. I could go one mile two off route and I might be able to get somewhere. But anyway, I decided to go off, and anyway, there was a few guys behind me. And I said, you know, I wanted to keep going. I didn't, didn't want to wait till the morning and waste time. So I cycled through anyway, um, and I, I was going up and by up, up the climb, and they were just getting flat. Then and there was um, there was um, the the, the um, steam, the steam springs, where you, know, you have these these uh, the water steam that comes up out of out of the mountain, out of the rocks and the ground, and. So I was cycling alongside anyway and I could see the steam coming up out of the ground. And it was fairly cold you know, and I was getting fairly sleepy as well. I mean I'm not great at cycling at night. Even if I get a rest before and when the night comes down towards it, 40 hard to stay awake. And um, so I could feel the heat from the from the, the springs coming up just right next to me on the side of the road. So I got off the bike. and said, Jeez, just that's grand and warm. That would be a nice place now to take a nap. So I walked over and I could see the, the actually the water bubbling a good bit in coming up where the water and the steam was coming up out of the ground. But I walked across the solid bit the ground and it was really solid now and I felt it. And it was lovely and warm. So I decided it's just a great place to have a sleep. So I lay down on the, on the rocks and it was a bit of soft ground as well. And, but you know it was fairly solid. And I lay down there and, and the warmth of the ground was coming up through my body. And I was, it was absolutely beautiful I and mean, it was like getting a massage and I, I was lying on my back and i was looking up at the stars and it was about one o'clock in the morning and all this heat was going up through my body and i was saying to myself oh my god this is unbelievable but here i am in the middle of west yellowstone national park lying on the ground heat going up through my body lovely warm and like, getting a nice nap so i slept in anyway there for about two or three hours and i got up then and i uh, got back on the bike and cycled down the road and next thing, I came to a barrier. And there was a jeep uh, pulled in, so I slowed up. And so, well, as always, I mean, if, if, if there's someone there and just pulled in, you know, I, I'd be quite happy to talk and to to see who's there. So it was the park ranger. So, you know, it was about three in the morning. So I pulled up alongside the car put my with my elbow outside the, the window. And said, "Oh, hello. How are we, how are we doing, uh, ranger? You know." So I was chatting away to the park ranger for a minute or two, and uh joined just saying what I was doing. I was in the race, and that, you know. And I said to him, Jesus says, you wouldn't believe it. I says, I was back there and it was lovely and warm ground and I had a lovely seat for about three hours. And he says to me, Oh no, don't tell me that. He says, We've had people die there every year. <laughs> he says, People have lost their arms and one person has actually fell in, the ground opens up and he ended up dead. I said, Don't be telling me that, whatever you do. So I was oh, absolutely in stitches. So I told him, like I said, Look, the ground where I was lying was fairly hard, but he got an awful white line. You're know, you, you know, We tell people all the time that you're not meant to go in and lie on the ground next to where the, the steam is coming up, you know. So that was a pretty interesting story. I was lucky to, um, well, you know, I mean, I felt it was fairly safe, but it, it was a good laugh saying that story to the ranger.
1: Now, the thing too, you had just sent all of your warm weather clothing away. You had, what, shipped it back home?
2: I know it's amazing. It's amazing what you do when you know when, when you're in the race. Um, I suppose I hadn't been as strong as last year as I said. I, I started late and um, the first you know the first 200 miles really. I was actually thinking about the first 200 miles you watch you don't really need any gear because it's fairly warm. Um, but by the time I got I was getting to Montana, I just said to myself, you know, I, I'm carrying too much gear. I'm really struggling on the climbs, so I decided to send home some gear and I actually sent it home just before I got to the climb to the Montana, just when I would have needed my warm gear, I sent it home. <laughs> After carrying it for about, about seven or 800 miles, carrying the weight when I didn't use it, and then I sent it home just when I needed it. <laughs> I mean, the things that you do, you know. And uh, I sent home I wouldn't mind, but I had three GPSs, and I only really needed two of them. And I sent home my warm leggings, and they actually weighed lighter than my third GPS, which I could have sent home so i kept my gps that i wasn't using and i sent home my warm leggings and i sent home uh, my warm jacket my my very warm um, sleeveless down jacket which is absolutely beautiful it mean, only weighs a few ounces but the thing is when you add them all up together i mean they do come to a bit of weight you know so and it's really hard to know what to keep and what to send home and, and that's the thing you know and that's why you know it might seem crazy that i sent home my leggings but as i said when you have all these little things and you put them together and you put them into the bag and you put it on, and when you hold the bag with all these small things, it ad- actually adds up to a few pounds, you know. And that few pounds can make a difference. So I ended up just—I was—I was just fed up, and I and I sent everything home. And and actually, no, it did benefit me, benefit me for a while. But I ended up buying a set of leggings again when I got to um, when I got to Kansas. But what I did do was I used have uh, the twelve Trans maps, and when I was going up over the the Bear the Beaverhead Mountains, one of the climbs at night, which was really cold. I just used the maps as insulation. You know, I put them down between my chest, put them down in my cycled shorts, on my legs and actually made a great difference. Kept me kept me nice and warm. Um, and actually what I'd done as well when I was sleeping on the side of the road at night, I would actually use the maps to lie on the maps and I would use them as blankets as well. So you know, it's amazing what you, what you can use as well and what you can survive on when, when you need to and certainly TransAvenants maps are a great form of insulation.
1: Danica, it's wonderful visiting with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to check in with us. We are definitely going to be talking to you just before and just after Race Around Ireland this year.
2: Thanks, George. Uh, Good talking to you again.
1: This is Athlete Diaries on Over-The-Top Cycling. Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?